Barbenheimer demolishes box office expectations and both films are on course for massive opening weekends. Studios are starting to delay movies. Could Dune 2 be on the table for 2024 now? Let's break down the latest in movie news. Hello, movie friends. Welcome back to Raiders of the Lost Podcast, the ultimate film and TV podcast. This is a crazy weekend. I don't know if you went to the theaters, but we did, and there was Barbenheimer. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely wild. I saw so much pink in the theater. So many people dressed in pink. It was really wonderful. And it's just great to see so many people going to the theater excited. Like I saw little kids that are giddy going to the theaters. And that's yeah, I saw what's a little girl taking yeah. photos in front of the Barbie poster. So excited. That's all what it's pink. all about. You got to keep young people especially interested in understanding like it's an event type thing. And so I think the Barbenheimer weekend has just been a miraculous thing this year for movie theaters and exhibitors to showcase how important it is to go to a cinema and experience something like this in person with a group of people. So I think it's a special weekend. I know it's kind of like a joke and everything, but I think it's actually... It's not a joke yeah, to me. <laughs> I think it's a wonderful thing for the film industry and for exhibitors and theaters. Studios will be studying and trying to replicate what organically happened with Barbie and Oppenheimer They're trying to. Do you know what the next one is? What? Saw Patrol. No one gives a fuck. <laughs> Paw Patrol and Saw. No one cares. So studios are going to try to replicate it. You can't, you know, with a memification, with memes, with the online jokes, with the internet, you can't replicate this it's completely organic and these movies are demolishing we dressed up for both for when we filmed our oppenheimer episode and obviously if you follow us on instagram we posted our barbie outfits for when we went to the theater yesterday to see barbie both those reviews for us will be coming out this week so monday's going to be an oppenheimer review thursday will be a barbie review but my goodness barbie and oppenheimer are bonkers right now so barbie had the biggest thursday preview of the year with 22 million as thursday preview Pulled in another $48 million on Friday night and could break $150 million for its opening weekend debut. Yeah, I think they're making a sequel. Domestic <laughs> opening debut. Insane. It probably it could cross $300 million globally its opening weekend. Oppenheimer uh, pulled in $10 million on Thursday previews, $33 million on Friday, and will, is projected to hit about $80 million in its opening domestic weekend, which is also absurd for a three-hour rated R war drama. And that's actually beating ex- expectations because last week, projections said Barbie would hit 148, so that's out, about on track. But Oppenheimer was projected at 58 opening weekend. I so, saw it at 40. Yeah, so Bar- Oppenheimer is destroying its expectations. And, the, and I mean, that's a testament to Nolan can get butts in seats no matter what he makes a movie about. You're talking about... Uh, a period piece, a three hours rated R movie about a physicist and $80 million. I mean, this shows that these movies can still make this kind of money. It reminds me of Ron Howard with The Beautiful Mind. That made $350 million in 2000. And that's a lot of money. So people like these kinds of movies. It doesn't just have to be the popcorn flick. Um, and then Barbie is, is tapping into an IP that is so beloved by Americans, um, especially Americans who grew up liking Barbies, but the only movies they watched were like the little fairy topia <laughs> movies, Barbie, to- fairy, Barbie, Barbie's fairy topia. magical adventure. VOD. So they had, they've never seen something like this on the scale for something they've been a fan of. And we were just talking yesterday. I was, I'm comparing it to transformers, you know, boys grew up generally playing with things like transformers. And then those movies obviously have decimated the box office since the early two thousands. Well, we grew up playing with them, but like not a massive fan of the movies. Yeah, yeah, I guess. But I mean, but I know what you're saying, but you know, a bunch of eighties, 
bros turned out to Transformers. Hell yeah, yeah. they did. <laughs> this is what's happening. Optimus Prime! <laughs> My childhood! So this is comparable, it's comparable to that. It's a famous toy that, that children grow up playing with, and they're finally getting that on the big screen. That's never happened before, so it's a big deal for people who grew up loving the Barbie um, IP. So and Barbie's different because it goes decades. Yes, like, exactly. Of course, Transformers goes decades too, but Barbie's been around for a long time. And you, so. could, you could argue it is like the toy for young girls. Oh, 100%. Yeah. It's, it's wild, but they're also complementing each other so well. People are, are so hot to see both films. That's also helped both of these box offices just hit astronomical numbers, basically. Barbie, $300 million opening weekend, possibly, around the world. Who would have thought? Oppenheimer, rated R, three-hour-long movie about Oppenheimer making the atomic bomb, 80 million opening domestic weekend, potentially 150 global. What? It's insane. I mean, when you compare it to Dunkirk, Dunkirk did what? 35 opening weekend domestic? It made it 40, 45. Yeah, yeah. So, like, people thought that's what they were going to get, but Oppenheimer doubled those projections, and I think these movies really... It was meant to be in a lot of ways. You know, it was meant to be that Warner Brothers put Barbie's release date on the same day as Oppenheimer, probably out of spite of Nolan leaving Warner Brothers. That's what we can all assume. But then it turned into a match made in heaven for both films, and both studios are just going to make a boatload of money off of this. And then in third place, don't forget about our, our guy Tom. Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 pulled in another $25 million domestic. Still, but it's doing incredible internationally. It just it's, it's past $100 million just in India. So it's closing. It's closing in on five hundred million. So the film, even though it's got a ton of competition, um, it's about to pass a hundred million domestically. Oh, it did pass. It did pass after Saturday. Um, so it's looking at. It's tracking at about five hundred million right now after this weekend globally. So even though there's a ton of competition, Mission Impossible is still going to do very well. It's an it's an excellent performer that franchise overseas. So even though domestically everybody's seeing Barbie and Oppenheimer. Uh, MI7 still doing very healthy numbers. Yeah, I mean, it's only its second week, and it's already yeah. at $500 million. It, I yeah, think it's going to be a successful film. Yeah, and even though it lost IMAX screens, it's still going to do very well. So, um, that's I mean, this is great because this is the looks like it's the best weekend it will be of the entire year for these three movies to be doing so well and for so many people to be going to the theaters because even though there's the strikes going on and obviously people are um, trepidous about promoting studios – we still have to keep theaters alive, and we can't we can't boycott movies. We have like exhibitors and movie theaters and cinemas. We need to keep them alive. They're also generating money from these box office tickets. So I th so James and I think it's still very important to go to the cinema to see movies because we don't want to lose the theatrical experience and keep the event like experience, yes. like you were saying. Spread it to your children. Spread it to your kids. The youngins need to know that going to the movies is awesome. Yeah, and it's I love seeing everyone dressed in pink at the movie theaters. I thought it was super fun. Yeah. Now, just really quick on the strike, just for a little bit, we're just gonna give you a little information because people are saying that podcasting is a no no um, for SAG. But there's a lot of misinformation yeah. going out there about the SAG WGA yeah. strike and how to stand in solidarity. So SAG just posted new guidelines, which I think is kind of unclear. Um, for most people when they read it. So the guidelines for podcasting is you can't do podcasts, you can't promote films or talk about films whatsoever if you are repped by SAG, if you are part of the union, you can't do any of that. However, some people are misconstruing that as podcasting is a no-go whatsoever. But if you're not part of the union, you can do whatever you want. And also, they're advising anyone who's not in the union, if you have a podcast, you should stop doing it. If you want to join the union in the future, they won't accept you. So... If you are non-union and you don't want to join SAG, you can do whatever the hell you want. 
But if you are non-union and you eventually want to join SAG, you might want to stop talking about movies. James and I don't want to join SAG, so we're just going to keep doing what we're doing. If you hear otherwise, they're probably not understanding the wording of SAG's new guidelines. And we got an email from SAG specifically asking about this, and we've been talking about this. There's just so much misinformation, and it's really important to understand that SAG, when they post these guidelines, most of them... Even though it's accidentally unspecific sometimes with their wording, they're talking about people in SAG after us. It's for people who need to look at that website because they're part of the union. And there's 200,000 yeah. people or something in 160 SAG. 160K. Yeah, so all a lot of these people have podcasts. A lot of actors have podcasts. A lot of actors go on podcasts. They're letting SAG people know, hey, you should not be podcasting right now because so many of you do that for your brand and for marketing and everything. Yeah. Don't do that. Don't be guests on shows. But if you're non-union and you don't want to be in SAG, you can talk about movies, and it's yes. actually, they want you to. Here is an email from SAG answering this question. This is from SAG-AFTRA. Podcasters whose shows center around genuine review and critique of film and television, as opposed to purely promotional, may continue their shows without violating the strike order. We're not a union. There's no podcasters union. We're not protected by anyone. You know, SAG and WJ, they're not asking for people to give up their incomes and give up their livelihoods because they're on strike right now. Yes. They are protected. We are not. Yes. So they're not asking people to just, oh, if you work for a PR agency, just don't accept any more money. Just yeah. quit your job. If you work for a PR firm, quit your job. If you make posters, quit your job. If don't you make, make any more money. Yeah, if you make posters, quit. Yeah, if you're yeah. a graphic artist, just stop working. Don't so, yeah. don't accept any more money. So if they if that's a line, where's the where is the line everywhere else? So I think the influencers yeah. are just a lot of these influencers just yeah. think they're a lot more important than they are we just talk about movies guys yeah. let's relax and just spread positive information yeah. about film so you might you might hear otherwise you you might see other big influencers and content creators saying that they're not going to do anything and they think this is the rule that's a misinterpretation of what sag posted so james and i as well as a few other podcasters and and, and creators who we've been chatting with are going to continue what, doing what we're doing so we're, we're not stay, going anywhere stay positive yeah. we are going to keep leading the pack and we're going to stay out there and keep talking about movies as well as spreading awareness and check out the description of this episode on all audio platforms to yeah. find out ways to donate to all the members of SAG and WJ who are on strike. We have links in the bios and descriptions of all episodes on all platforms. Now, the strike is actually affecting the release of some movies. So, so far, Luca Guadagnino's Challengers, starring Zendaya, has been pushed to 2024 with an unspecified release date. It was April 26th. Oh, April 26th. Thank you. You're welcome, pal. <laughs> it is specified, <laughs> quite clearly. <laughs> um, and it was supposed to come out this year, which I'm pretty disappointed about because that trailer fucking slaps. And then Dune 2 and Aquaman 2 are up in the air and possibly going to be delayed to 2024. Warner Brothers is still working that out. And it seems as though the studio's... Since they're starting to delay films, they might be holding on to the strike for a while. You know, I, I th they all knew the strike was coming. Yeah. That's the same thing with when, when COVID happened. Everyone, The studios knew that everything was going to get shut down. That's why Iger stepped down a month before it happened. Like They all knew these things are happening. They're in the works. I mean, they've been negotiating for over a month. Of course, the studios were prepping for this, which is why I think it explains why Warner Brothers had has right now three movies coming out in December within two and a half weeks of each other. So they have... Wonka, Aquaman, and The Color Purple all come out within the first two and a half weeks of December. Why would they do something like that? Probably because they knew a strike was imminent and they need some quick cash flow. That's my interpretation of why three huge movies from one studio are coming out within two and a half weeks of each other to try to, in my opinion, maybe weather the storm from their side of the strike to see how long they can survive and try to make money. And they know Aquaman 2 
is going to be probably a bust because they've had 18 months of post-production work on that movie and, and reshoots. DC is just like not it right now. And Wonka, yeah. I mean, the trailer looks solid, but is it going to be a huge hit? Not sure. Is Color Purple going to be a huge hit? Not sure. So I think that these studios, maybe because Barbie's performing so well, Warner Brothers is willing to keep Dune, hopefully, on its slate in November. But I think it shows you that the studios are going to bunker down and dig a trench as well, just like the Strikers. Yeah, it is odd for three major releases to come out within two weeks of each other for the studio. Most notably, two of them are musicals. You usually want to spread out your releases, at least over the calendar of two months like that. But Aquaman's not a musical? <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't see the first one, so maybe it is. <laughs> you, you, you tell me. Will you turn off your phone alarm? It was for the, oh my God. For the movie. For the movie? Anyways. That we're going to see in an hour? Jeez, <laughs> Louise, I know we're going to the movies after this. <laughs> you know, I need a reminder for that. Alana. Man. <laughs> so I totally agree. That's odd to release all of your movies within two weeks of each other. For for December, which is usually a, a pretty good month to release films for some money, so that's odd. I don't expect Aquaman to do even close to the numbers of the first Aquaman, which was over a billion. Um, Wonka, I think look, it can do pretty well, but um, I don't think that trailer was as uh, spectacular as I was expecting it to be. I don't want to say I was underwhelmed. I was just like, yeah, it looks yeah. pretty good. It wasn't quite as incredible as I was hope. I was as I was expecting. It looks nice, but. I was. I think I was expecting a little more. That's what I mean. Will it be a hit? Yeah, I don't think it'll be a massive hit. I think it will do well. Color Purple, it's kind of up in the air. It's always tough to sell a musical. Especially a remake. Yeah. Or a new, well, this inter- is, this new interpretation. Is a, this is based on the Broadway musical yes. version of of the adaptation of the film and novel. Gotcha. So it's, it's, so it's like an six, adaptation six of adap- the adaptations of the adaptation. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so exactly. That's yeah. like the, the how many iterations. But I mean, Little Woman performed very well, and that was the how many how many adaptation of that. Movie. That was the third uh, film of the book. Plus, there's a TV series, TV miniseries. Yeah, it's, and then then you have now you have the Little Woman verse. Yeah, <laughs> everyone has their spinoff movie. <laughs> <laughs> and then you have obviously Little Woman Origins next year. Origins. <laughs> when Smaller, did they, when small, did they become little? Smaller woman. <laughs> Itty bitty woman. And then <laughs> huge woman origins. <laughs> 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 All right, moving on. Christopher Nolan's obviously doing a lot of press for his new film, Oppenheimer. And one journalist asked him if he would consider directing a James Bond movie. For the 50th yeah, time. Yeah, he's been asked this throughout his entire career, and he, he always says yes. <laughs> so I'm not surprised <laughs> that he said yes, I would love to do it. He would consider it a privilege. It's like, do journalists think of other questions to ask directors, or are they just like... What it's are, just clickbait. It's just a headline. It's just a headline. It's just like how... I love Star Wars, y'all know this, but I saw an interview the, last week that was people talking about where someone asked Christopher Nolan if he'd interview a star, make a Star Wars movie, and I'm just like, you got Christopher Nolan on a couch and you're talking about Star Wars? I love Star Wars. Star Wars is cool. We all love Star Wars. It's Christopher Nolan, and you're asking him about Star Wars. Other people asked him if he'd do another superhero movie. It's like... T- well, how about ask him about the fucking movie he just made? <laughs> He's made so many incredible films outside of the superhero genre. Ask him about one of those. Ask him about Oppenheimer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ask him about the movie that's coming out. <laughs> oh my god, do your fucking job. <laughs> Jesus Christ, all people care about is a clickbait article headline. It's like you have the you greatest have 15 minutes with yeah. one of the most important directors of the set of and, the year. And you're asking century. him like you're asking him nothing to do with his film that just came out. I find that ridiculous to it's, not ask him about Oppenheimer. It's, it's nuts. 
Anyways, anyway, it, 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 it kind of annoys me. <laughs> I'm irked. Like if, if if I'm sitting there with Christopher Nolan, I'm like, so are you gonna make like an Obi Wan origin story movie? I'm like what? What are we doing here? It's Christopher fucking Nolan. Ask him about Oppenheimer. Ask him about time. Why are you obsessed with time, bro? <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> this is why our interviews are fucking sick. We have a great interview with Ice Cube coming out soon. Which we have to release because it was done before the strike. Yeah. Hey, great <laughs> great uh, plug, bro. We did it in fucking like, the first week of June. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next up, AMC has dropped its better seating ticketing increases initiative. <laughs> this is where they chart, they vary in prices based upon where in the theater you're seating, and they did not work out. And you get to a no surprise. <laughs> it was not a great idea. Yeah, so I said, like, when it came, when they first announced it, I was like, I'll pay for those premium seats. It was only but, a buck, yeah. Like, a buck or two, two bucks But extra. I think it's the uh, optics of it. The optics it doesn't are pretty look bad. Good. Yeah. It's pretty bad optics. No, but I don't see... Do they even fucking ask public opinion about this? Do, do they even do, like... What they should have done is we're going to reduce a dollar for the seats on the outskirts of the theater. That would that would be That's pretty good. That's good optics. Yeah. And they they should just like, ask a room of people and sur- do they not even survey people about these ideas, or are they just like oh, people like it? Corporations, man. <laughs> How can we make money? Hey, man, when I had NFL Madden and you got to like run your own franchise, I was boosting those ticket sales up like a motherfucker. Those concessions, man. <laughs> concessions. You're paying, you're paying 15 bucks for a popcorn, baby. <laughs> At my stadium. It's capitalism, bro. <laughs> All right, here's some more capitalism for you. All right, I like Mark Ruffalo as an actor. He seems like a nice guy. Um, <laughs> I'm prefacing that with this. Mark Ruffalo has been obviously very heavy on Twitter over the, over the strike, which is awesome. But he said he says actors should do indie films and exit the empire of billionaires. Exit the empire of billionaires. Mark, how many movies for billionaires have you made? It's just nine. Like, oh my god, dude. Mark he- Ruffalo, love you. What have you made? Eighty million dollars off of superhero movies. Capitalism bad. I've made eighty million dollars. He's got a great indie career as well, but yeah. not everyone has the luxury of being able to live off a hundred million dollars plus re- residuals that you're making exactly. off those movies. So I understand the sentiment, but to tell people who've never made enough money to live multiple lifetimes to exit empire you're, of billionaires, he's basically saying, don't ever take a high-paying job. What can you? A24 only makes so many movies a year, Mark Ruffalo, okay? <laughs> Focus Features ain't paying the big bucks, yeah. bud. <laughs> we got Warner Brothers, Disney, and that like in Universal and it's, Sony. And it's like, it's so easy. They e- make a lot of movies. It's so easy to say that when you've made all the money you need for several lifetimes, Mark Ruffalo. It's, it, he's I actually, love you, dude, but like, come like come on. like that perspective It's so is, tone deaf. Haven't you all been the Hulk in eight movies, too? <laughs> <laughs> we all have like private yachts, right? <laughs> he doesn't have a yacht. Okay, I mean, he doesn't seem like a yacht guy. I would love to see his fucking I'd like stock to see holdings. Bank, I'd like to see his bank account. I would really like to see his bank account. I'd like to see Mark Ruffalo's investments. I But I understand what he's saying, but it's it's just so it's kind of tone deaf when he's just like, dude, you have been making so much money and other actors like you can't tell them in the future to say no to a, a good paying gig so that can support them for their lives. You know what I mean? Especially because Disney, Warner Brothers, Universal, Sony make what? 90 percent of the films and TV out there. Yeah. If you count down all the companies they own under their exactly. umbrellas. So yeah. those four, the billionaires, they they make almost everything. So what, you just want people to only work for A24, only work for Blumhouse? They put out two movies a year. What do you want them to do? Yeah. Well, Universal owns Blumhouse now. Yeah, so exactly. <laughs> A24 put out two or three movies and a year. And Apple is co-releasing with A24 so, as well. So Mark, apparently a million people have to vie for three movies a year. Cool, man. <laughs> I like the sentiment, but I think he can be tone deaf sometimes. And it's just like... 
it's just like we don't need we don't need ultra wealthy people telling blue collar middle class people what to do with with the choices of their lives to support themselves. So I think that once the strike settles down, actors should do their best to try and get paid as much as they can. Right? Exactly. That's the whole point of a union. Yeah. So, Mark. Love you. Take, take it down a notch. Yeah. <laughs> just, just say, just support us. Tweet some links, bro. Yeah. We, we love seeing you on the front lines. We love seeing you. Mark, uh, you know what would really be cool if you donated all the fucking money you made from the billionaires, <laughs> right? Wouldn't that be cool? We're not going that far. <laughs> yeah. Hey, man, he could. Hey. I'm just saying. I'm sure he's donated plenty I'm of sure money. I'm sure he has. I'm sure, know, I'm sure he's a great, he seems like a great seems guy. Seems like a great guy. But also, where do you want people to work? <laughs> Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm sorry, bro. This is a, this is Hollywood. And I just he's like saying we should make an indie uh you, we should make an indie version of Hollywood. With what money? You, you, you got a trillion dollars? And bro? also with what distribution? You need a lot of money for distribution and every all the major studios are doing ninety five percent of distribution. And they so. bought all the independent studios. Yeah. And even if so even if you make independently make a film, you have to sell it to a, a studio to distribute it. And if you don't make money, you go bankrupt just like Braun Studios, yeah, who Braun Studios has yeah. filed for bankruptcy. Nice segue there. So Braun Studios they are most famous for producing Joker and making Joker, which made a billion dollars. Mm-hmm. And then after that, they have taken a lot of hits at the box office, so much so that even after making Joker, they have filed for bankruptcy. And they've made movies like 65, which bombed, Those Who Wish Me Dead, which bombed, Cyrano, which bombed, Juice and the Black Messiah, which performed poorly, House of Gucci, which performed poor- poorly. So just a string of weak box office performers has led this studio that just made a fortune off one yeah. movie now filing for bankruptcy not that long later and if you if you add up all the box office receipts of just those five titles uh, it's less than 100 million dollars it's actually less than 50 it might be less than 60 million dollars all those five movies and each one of those cost um 30 to 40 million dollars then house of gucci cost 100 million dollars so they, they they chose they they greenlit a bunch of projects that just did not perform at all, and they've just they lost all the money they earned from Joker. That's insane. Yeah, that's insane. Yeah. I think studios their their eyes are starting to open to 
I don't know. I guess what audiences want, but I mean, when you make a billion, well, not they probably made probably like they split it with water. Yeah, so they yeah. probably made like several, they made a lot of money, several hundred yeah. million dollars based on their investment. I'm sure they made a few hundred million of profit. <laughs> yeah, based on that yeah. investment for yeah. sure, hundred percent. So that's that's a huge hit. But it's too it's too bad because they've. I mean, they are producing some interesting movies. They're just not doing well. Yeah, not that these movies are bad. I mean, 65, I think, is a bad movie. <laughs> that's like the only one on this list I would say is a bad movie. Cyrano is. Eh, eh, it's all right. It's all right. <laughs> Not a huge musical person. I liked House of Gucci. I thought House of Gucci was awesome. True. Black Messiah right. was great yeah. too. Uh, next up, speaking of money, Blue Beetle. Warner Brothers has just released projections for the film. Blue Beetle is projected to earn $17 million in its opening weekend and only $55 million in its entire domestic run from their projections. DC and Warner are taking huge L's all year. The Flash becoming possibly the biggest bust of the century up there. For a box office bomb, and now Blue Beetle's about to box office bomb as well. That's a new verb we should use, box office bomb. They're about to box office bomb. <laughs> They're about to box office bomb. Yeah, we just invented it. <laughs> I mean, this movie, $200 million budget, easy. No. Plus marketing. Yeah, dude, this is a huge budget. Uh, let me double it's a superhero check. superhero movie. It's, uh, yeah, but they were intending it for an HBO Max release. They didn't put that much money into it. They put $100 million into Batgirl. Let me just double check your numbers. Double check. There. Double check the 200 numbers. $200 million. I think you might be pushing it. Easy 150. <laughs> He's going down, guys. Either way, 120. 120 plus yeah. marketing, so close to 200 million dollars total to make that movie. Wow, it and doesn't it's honestly. Pull 17 million its opening weekend. Honestly, it doesn't really look like that much money was put. It just doesn't look that big. It's it's insane. It's disappointing. Um, I hope people go see it. Uh, it's just a bummer, man. Yeah, we'll see, yeah. Especially because. This DC's plan, like, oh, we're gonna reboot and reset the DC. The Flash is gonna make a is gonna be a huge hit, huge bust. The Blue Beetle is gonna be a huge hit, turning out to be a bust. So it's box office bombing, bro. They're they're <laughs> box office bombing, man. <laughs> I don't like it. It sounds weird. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. It's a weird verb phrase. It's box office bombing. Nah. It's disappointing because yeah. you know I I think Sholo is a really cool kid and it was really nice to meet him and I hope I hope people will go see it. But man, doesn't DC, look like it. DC, man. Next up, some good news, finally. Saw X. Oh, yeah. Has released its official first photo. Saw 10. I can't believe there are 10 of them. <laughs> yeah. So is this counting Jigsaw as like, part of the franchise? I'm not sure. Uh, you have to ask someone else because I've <laughs> only seen the first two Saw movies. <laughs> so I'm not, the, I'm not the person to ask about that. Maybe, maybe. Um, but uh, Tobin Bell, who plays Jigsaw, is back. I thought he died in... Didn't he come back? Then he died again. I think he died a couple times. Yeah, he's back. Holy crap! There. there okay, so this blood. does. Yes, there will be blood. This is factoring in Spiral as the ninth Saw movie, okay. and then Saw Ten. So I I think like why not just join forces with Fast? <laughs> I guess at least you got to give them credit. Their title of all their movies is just Saw, except for two of them. So it's Saw One, Saw Two, Saw Three, Saw Four, Saw Five, yeah. Saw Six, Saw Three D. Jigsaw is number eight, then Spiral's number nine, then Saw ten. Yeah, I like uh, keeping the name just Saw. Like, and then, yeah, I can't like, believe they've made ten of these. They make they make some money, man. Let's just call it Socks. <laughs> saw X. Socks. <laughs> I saw you. <laughs> well, I mean, fuck it. <laughs> People are excited. I, I looked online. People, fans of the franchise can't wait. All right, let's move on to a couple more things we got to talk about. We have A24. So two A24 movies have been approved to film during the actor's strike. SAG has approved 
dozens of movies to continue filming and go into production because of their independent funding and everything and, like and that. And also meeting Sa- um, SAG's requirements. So the list includes two A24 movies, which are Mother Mary, starring Anne Hathaway and Michael Cole, and Death of a Unicorn, starring Paul Rudd and Jenna Ortega. This is because A24 is not connected with the AMPTP. Also, European and British productions are still underway because the strikes only referred to are only um, go, going. Uh, they're only for American unions, so anything in the UK is still filming. And the AMPTP is the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers. Kid producers. Next up, John Boyega did Hot Ones to promote uh, the clone Tyrone, and he was asked to rank the modern Star Wars trilogy, and he ranked it as. Force Awakens, number one. Rise of Skywalker, number two. And Last Jedi, number three. And he looked pretty dissatisfied about all of them. <laughs> <laughs> he, had, he said they're all wonderful, sarcastically. Well, I mean, Force Awakens was his best movie, but then his character, they just kind of, you know, they kind of retconned him. I, I, I was disappointed with the direction Finn's character took. I'm sure he is disappointed as well. Yeah, every, we all know this. Yeah, yeah but, every, he, yeah, yeah. you know, everybody knows this. You, you got paid, but also... You didn't get paid. Y'all got I've never seen someone shit on their own movies so much. <laughs> it reminds me of uh, Shia LaBeouf when he shat on when he was um, talking shit about Kingdom of Crystal Skull. Yeah, and then Boyega like took it up a notch. <laughs> I, I would probably do the same if I was Boyega, especially. You, you know, don't think that Disney would have made a franchise for him if he hadn't been? Do you think it's affecting them maybe choosing him to do like his own films? No, absolutely not. Hmm. I wonder if it's uh, irking it's uh, Disney or Lucasfilm. Him. I think the way they treated his character, but also him with marketing campaigns in other countries, is absurd, and yeah. I don't blame him for being upset about it. Oh yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't blame him either. And professionally holding a grudge, I think, is is what he does. Yeah. And final bit of news: DC Comics titles have tripled sales since Gunn and Saffron took over DC Studios, so they've sparked a massive surge in DC comic book sales. In some cases, tripling. The figures of certain titles. Goodness. Some good, some good numbers. Well, hopefully, well, the fucking movies aren't going to be doing well, apparently. <laughs> At least the comics are doing okay. Yeah. After the Flash bomb, <laughs> Blue Beetle's about to bomb. We know Aquaman's going to bomb. I don't think Aquaman will bomb. I think Aquaman will bomb. I don't know. I think it'll do well. It's December. It's. The, I think it's the only superhero release that month. I think it'll do fine. We'll see. Want to make a bet? People liked On uh, opening weekend? Opening weekend, <clears throat> I need to see the trailer first. I mean, no, once I see a trailer, I'll give first you— First made a bill, you need to see a trailer? If you want an opening weekend projection, I need to see a trailer, all right? But I will— I, will I pro- bet you when you see the trailer, like, oh, actually— <laughs> I will project right now without seeing any marketing. I would I would expect a $600 million, um, gross globally. Total? Yeah. I would say 400 total. 400 total? In it's its pretty entire low. run. People like Momoa, man. I do. I know people like Momoa a lot, but you know also, I'm gonna I'm gonna go um, 700 million. I think there's a massive distaste for DC right now, and in, in audiences. Well, mouths. don't underestimate the power of Momoa, man. People love. That I love guy. Momoa too. He's all over the place. See, he's hosting Shark Week. Yeah, he's, yeah. See him dancing yeah, in the, the, da, 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 da. <laughs> with the sharks. <laughs> people love him. I you know I'm going 700 million Aquaman two total gross. I'm going 400. All right. I it's mean, on. Fast X wasn't super great at performing at the box office. It's not his movie. It's kind of his movie. He's in the movie. <laughs> he's, he's a big part of that movie. Yeah, yeah. But the Aquaman, like, it's it's his movie. No, I know it's his movie. Did you know that he stars as Aquaman? Really? <laughs> I had no idea. I thought he was just like a shit crewman. <laughs> I think it, I think it'll do pretty well. I don't I don't think it's gonna go anywhere near the first Aquaman though. I think it's four hundred total. All right, that wraps our movie news like t- this episode. 
if there's any more confusion about the SAG after WGA strike, let us know. Send us a DM. And again, check out the description of this episode on all, on all audio platforms to find a way and a link to donate to artists in entertainment right now who are striking in Hollywood. Also, again, episodes this week. Monday, manana, domani, tomorrow we got <laughs> Oppenheimer. <laughs> and then Thursday, Barbie Letterbox recap on Tuesday. It's going to be awesome. Cannot yeah, wait. It's going to be a good week, man. It's going to be sick. It's going to be. Gonna... And then the following Monday is going to be the Real Talk Boys. Oh, yeah. We have an episode of Real Talk. The Real Talk, George and, and all of them, Tyler, Cam, Seth. Seth. It's going to be awesome. So they're, yeah. they're good lads. They're good lads. <laughs> it's going to be super we just fun. Did a, we did a FaceTime call with them yesterday. It was funny. Emergency FaceTime meeting <laughs> yesterday. But we're filming that today on Sunday. So get ready for. The biggest collaboration in in film influencer t- in podcasting history. It's gonna it's gonna blow the chains off the door, all the chains, baby. <laughs> all right, take care, everybody. Hinges off the door. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> well, if the cha- if the door is locked with a chain, then you're busting the chain off. Okay, it's doing both. And like like I'm, there's gonna be zero chains or hinges left like, on think doors. About like a metal fence that's a door, but it's chained up. So you're would right. You, would you call a fence a door? It's a gate. Well, a gate. I wouldn't call it a door. I'm trying to help you here, man. I'm trying to help your analogy, but you know what? Now your analogy makes no fucking sense. Whatever, man. <laughs> Take care, everyone. See you next time. Thank you for watching Raiders of the Lost podcast. Be sure to hit that subscribe button. Hit the like button as well. Notifications for sure. Listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, everywhere. You can listen to podcasts. And be sure to check out this other content we have on our YouTube channel.